Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine is Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore D-U-G-A-N. Thank you for letting me get out my intro to the show this week. I do appreciate it. It's awful kind no. of you. Awful kind of you. I really just did it so that next time I do it, you're not ready for it. I don't want to <laughs> over-prepare you. Keep me on my toes. I do appreciate that. Uh, of course, please rate, review, subscribe, share the show, tell all your friends. That is how this thing grows. We do appreciate it. Uh, we'll give you a little baseball on this week's episode. We're not going to touch on a ton of baseball, but Mike Rooney, of course, from D1 Baseball and ESPN, going to join us a little bit later on to give us just a, a quick little snippet, a little uh, a, a digestive, maybe, if you will, for wow. college baseball today on the show. Is that too? Is that too uppity? No, I just wasn't expecting it out of you. You have a good vocab. I mean, the beginning of the show would be an aperitif, I believe, right? I'm honestly not sure. You're a classy honestly broad, sure. though. You're supposed to be a classy broad that goes to Jasper's and has classy dinners. You're you know when know you call things. someone a anything broad, it doesn't make them feel classy? Oh, really? Are we, I, are we? Is this a PC moment here? Is that what we're doing? No, everybody knows I'm not PC. I'm not going to I was going to say <laughs> That you cannot sell that to me. I'm sorry. I literally give up. No one will buy that shit. <laughs> uh, no, they won't. Mike Rooney coming up a little bit later on. A nice digestive. I think that means a liquor you drink after dinner, I think, but I'm not sure. Uh, so I'm going to we'll, look it up. So we'll do that. Uh, we'll tell some Omaha stories a little bit later on. Pay attention to the ping, folks. It's a really fun time of year. I know you and I have a lot of special memories with Omaha and the College World Series. I think it is a great, it. great event. Um, so, uh, I just, I couldn't ignore it, Aaron. We couldn't ignore it today on the show. I don't want to ignore it. And I wore my hat from my, my Vanderbilt hat from the college world series in 2019 when we won. And I was there for a million years and unplanned you wore your college world series horizontal striped polo against all suggestions of what to wear on camera. Braden chooses to wear horizontal stripes, but it's a nice subtle print. It's working fine. <laughs> But people tell you not to do that. It adds 15 pounds. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I had 15 on my own, so I don't need the help. But okay, well, that's good um, no one's going to ever see it, so it's fine. Uh, okay. All right. Um, today on the show, we are going to focus on quarterbacks in the SEC. And we are going to, much like we did last week on the show, rank our top five quarterbacks in the SEC for 2021 as we see it heading into the summer months. You will rank your top five. I will rank my top five. And uh, that's what we're going to do today on the show before we talk a little baseball. Sound good? Does to me. However, before we do that, Fringe Element is brought to you by Jasper's, the coffee mug of the South. I freaked out. I freaked out. The coffee mug of the South? I'm look. Okay, can I do it again? I freaked <laughs> no, out. I didn't think absolutely about Absolutely not. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Aaron Dugan, the next evolution of the podcast host. <laughs> the special kind. Jasper's is amazing. I went uh, actually on Wednesday this week, and I had a nice Creole roll. Very light, toasty bun. It was delicious. The charred broccoli side item, fantastic. Parking was absolutely free. So <laughs> there, all that good stuff. The menu's great. The happy hour is great. Go watch some college baseball. It's a great place to go watch the game. It's great. And it's it's many things, if you've heard Aaron Dugan describe it here on the show. <laughs> did you have a digestive after your meal? I, I did not. It was a little early in the day for, for some, some liquor, that's for sure. Liquor? Barely even know her. Okay. All right. I hate oh. my tagline. Dang it. You want to try again? You want to do it again? Fringe Element is brought to you by... Jasper's, 
it's a long drive away, but it's a short walk. Okay. I should stop. I'm not, go I to, can't do this. Can you cut those out? Go to I Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. I've, I'm losing it, Braden. Yeah, I, you, I, I think you're actually just fine. I think you're just as good as you've always been. So, um, all right. Now, here's what I want to do before we rank our top five quarterbacks in the SEC this year. And we're going to hear from Mike Rooney talking a little baseball in just a minute. But I thought I would use this set, this chance to promote Athlon Sports a little bit. Our, my current company, your former company, Athlon Sports Preview Magazines are on newsstands. Go buy them right now. But they rank all of the units for every team in every conference. So you can go look at offensive lines in the SEC and see where, see where we ranked every single team in the league for an offensive line, for a defensive line, secondary, wide receivers, etc. also quarterbacks. So I thought, Aaron, I would read off this list real quickly, see what Athlon says, and then we can rank our players after that. Sound that good? sounds good because I haven't heard this list yet. So No, no, but you do have a magazine, so you could read it if you wanted to. All right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Number one in the league, Ole Miss. How many times has anyone ever said that in the SEC? Um, at a list of who's best at drinking. There you go. <laughs> Number one. Any of anything else now? Which which SEC team has the most chandeliers at their tailgate? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Highest, Wh- tallest heels of student body population at a football game. Ole Miss. Georgia, sure. Georgia close second. I don't think they're lazier about I've, that. I've seen a lot of dresses at, a, at Georgia games. Yeah, so, there are like, a lot of dresses. Most likely to completely ignore their team's colors and wear all pastel and look like the sea of Easter eggs at a game. Ole Miss? Yes. Likeliest at my in-laws family vacation to confuse people at the dinner table as to who their mascot is. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. <laughs> are they the rebels still? Yes, Uncle Mark. They're Most still likely to have, five. yeah, yes, Uncle Mark. Most <laughs> likely to have five mascots in the last four to six calendar years. They also were a Star Wars character, and then they became toyed with the idea of a land shark, and now they're just the black bears. But really, they're just the rebels. So. No, you have that backwards. Now they're the land sharks. They were the black bears first. Oh, sorry. See, come on, Uncle Mark. <laughs> get, get, come on, get, Uncle Mark. Get yourself organized. Uh, all right, number one, Ole Miss. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Florida. And this is the whole entire quarterback room, right? Number five, LSU. Number six, Missouri. Number seven, Auburn. Number eight, Texas A&M. Number nine, Tennessee. Number 10, Mississippi State. Just a slap in Will Rogers' face. Number 11, well, Arkansas. they're Arkan- eighth in the nation, so. Yeah, right. Number 11, Arkansas. Number 12, Vanderbilt. Number 13, Kentucky and number 14, South Carolina. So that kind of gives you a baseline of what Athlon Sports editorial staff thinks of the quarterback situation in the SEC. Apparently, I didn't need to read the magazine because my list is eerily close except for one. Well, and generally speaking, when the unit rankings are, when we do those, you look at an offensive line, it's about five dudes. When you look at the quarterback, sure, maybe a really good backup as a part of that, but largely you're talking about the starter at that position. Right. So... Uh, all right, you want to you want to get started here? Let's do it. Number five quarterback in the SEC on my list. This might be a bit of a surprise. This might be a hot take. I have Connor Bazelak from Missouri at number five on my list. Big arm, accuracy, big frame. I like the Eli Drinkowitz offense. Uh, I just think he's he showed us last season as just a freshman what he can do. I like Connor Bazelak a lot more than probably the average 
SEC fan appreciates. Connor Bazelak, number five on my list. That's interesting. I he bare, I was going back and forth between putting him at five or honorable mention spot, but I kind of figured he would sneak into your top five. So I put him in my little honorable mention spot that doesn't matter. I put <laughs> Bo Nix at number five, mainly just because of you know what we have already seen out of him. He's already had experience in the SEC, sort of battle-tested on that front. And I also think that Brian Harson is offensive-minded enough to kind of take him up to the next level. Hopefully that's an easy transition and he's able to just expound upon what he's already done there, but I'm excited to see it. So I have him at number five. I think with Basilak and Nix, I think being fifth on your list, fifth on my list, I think it does tell you that there are so many unknowns in the, at this position in the SEC this year that, that our list could look very, very different by the end of the season. Like it's easy to say Tua, right? Like right. it's, it's easy to pick, you know, Joe, like Joe Burrow didn't even, wasn't even considered an elite player, like at the start of his senior season. So mm-hmm. um, I think this list is going to look very different, but that's where we're at right now. And the fact that Bo Nix, who's, might have to battle for his starting job, you know, to, to, to hold off somebody, whoever that somebody might be, we don't know, uh, is very interesting to me. So I, I, I'm with you. I think Nick's is right outside my top five. So I don't think that's that crazy. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Okay. You want to go next? Doing your number four? I, I really struggled between three and four. I felt really good about one and two, but I really struggled with three and four. I think really, really highly of this guy. And I almost put him at number three. Okay. I am going to leave him at four. But don't at me about this because I think he could easily be higher. I'm going Florida quarterback Emory Jones at number four. I trust Dan Mullen. I trust the scheme. I trust the offense. He's gotten experience over the last couple of years behind Kyle Trask. I think he is going to be a star, and I think he's going to put up big numbers. He is also my number four. Yes. This is, where, um, this is where our lists converge. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hopefully they're not boringly similar all the way through. Um, I, I think they'll be different at the top, actually. So You do? I think so. You planned a hot take or two? Maybe. Um, yeah, I think I'm excited to see what he's able to do under Dan Mullen, who obviously is you know, known for his offensive schema. But the one thing he said he wanted to work on was his timing and his chemistry with the receivers. Uh, in the off season. And I think that was the one question I really had, but he's very, very good on his feet. He's extremely mobile. And I think they will have a lot of options. And if you can be versatile, um, you know, coming after Kyle Trask, I know is, is big shoes to fill, big shoes to fill, but I think his versatility in terms of what he's able to do and his speed will be, um, will help the Gators. So I ha- also have Emory Jones at number four. And and we know Dan Mullen's system. He he can't sort of use the entire playbook without a quarterback who is mobile. He's clearly capable of running an offense without a quarterback that's mobile because Kyle Trask um, was, was spectacular. Right. But when he does have a mobile quarterback, it opens his playbook up even further. And, and I, I think it's going to be this was a big time recruit. I think he was going to go on go to Ohio State, and he flipped to go play for Dan Mullen in Florida. I think he's ready for a breakout season. I think Emory Jones is really, really good. I would have had him at three, except for I could literally repeat all of those things about the next guy on my list, who is Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, because elite talent, ability to move around, 
trust in the offensive system and scheme and all the players around him and playing for Alabama super easy at quarterback and all these other things. I, I think he's got more upside than Emory Jones, but I really actually, I really wanted to put Emory Jones at three and Bryce Young at four. I, I, I trust Bryce Young to be great. And sort of, you can't just like, you have to like give credit for Bama and just say, all right, it's Bama. You're probably going to just, you just need to rank the Bama guy higher. And maybe I'm guilty of that. Maybe I should have put Emory Jones at three, but I got Bryce Young at three. Okay. That makes sense. Now I think I figured out your number one, although I already feel like I might've known it, but we'll save okay. it. Okay. Um, Who's number I three? have, I have JT Daniels at number three and it, part of it, I think, I found myself trying to figure out, you know, at what point was I taking other things into consideration in terms of the offense and just the system? And when was I looking at just the individual? And also when was I just looking at who I was excited to see play? There's people that I am more excited to watch on offense than JT Daniels, which is basically what put him in number three instead of number one or two for me. Um, also, we know his potential and how good he can be and how good that team is going to be but I haven't had that much to watch um so that kind of is what put him in that number three spot but I could easily see myself and you know you and I reassessing because I have a feeling he's higher on your list <laughs> towards the end of the season um you know he had a great showing in the in their bull went over Cincinnati I just don't have that much to go off of and there's people that I'm more pumped to see than him so that's really honestly okay. what put him there Okay. That's fair enough. I got there. Uh, there are lots of extenuating circumstances around how he got into the lineup. Right. I mean, we talked about it all year last year. Like why on earth did JT Daniels not start until uh, two thirds of the way through the season? Like it was just so strange. And right. Um, I, there's, there's more there, there, and nobody really knows hundred percent what it is, whether it's health, whether it's trust, all that good stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I got no problem with what, what you, what, where your rankings are right now. I got no problem. Okay. Um, but it, here's what I'm going to do though. I'm going to make you go next. Cause it's going to give away my number one. If I go next. So you need okay. to tell me why you have Bryce young at number two. For me, I, I think that at this point, you know, we have less to go off of Bryce young in terms of what we've seen than a lot of the other guys on this list, but that system, this is one of those that the system was just undeniable for me because we've seen, Alabama not to not to discredit the talent that they bring in in that position because it's all relative and everyone they bring in is pretty much exceptional no matter what the position but there's just something about the way that they're able to run an offense in the system that they have in place that sets people up for success and you know I think that'll be a quick transition I don't know if it'll be totally seamless um, but I just don't see Alabama failing at a position <laughs> of this magnitude. So it, it's kind of just trust in Nick Saban and the whole system. Um, and, and we'll see what, you know, Bill O'Brien's able to do there, but I have a feeling he's very, you know, he'll live up to the, he'll fill the shoes. Well, and, and it's not like he's some sh like schlub walk on. <laughs> like, oh, you mean like they interviewed him? I'm like, LSU did last year. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, Bryce. we know him. We, yeah, we know him. I mean, Bryce, like he's a five-star recruit, one of the best players in the country, number one quarterback coming out of high school, was competing with Mac Jones for the starting job, like all this stuff. It's not like, it's not like they're running out some like walk-on. And and so I, at first I thought you were talking about Bill, but yes, I'm, I follow no, he's, you. He's a total walk-on, um, but underneath Nick Saban, he'll be fine. 
it's just it's just the the offense. Like you just trust the players, the supporting cast, his talent. You've seen a little bit of it too, just like Tua. Tua didn't start his freshman year. He played and was a backup, but he every time he touched the ball, he'd get in there and light it up. And Bryce Young, you could just see it, even as just a true freshman, that he's got the talent. So I got no problem with Bryce Young being at number two. My number two quarterback is from old Mississippi, Matt Corral. And that, of course, you you know, you can figure out who I'm about to talk about at number one. But Matt Corral, number two, obviously, I love the system. I love the offense. I love the talent. I love the ability. He can run around a little bit. 14 interceptions is a little much for me. Um, I, I want to see him take care of the football a little bit better. You know, there's some mistakes there. Again, we're, we're nitpicking here, right? If we're... <laughs> If we're, if we're talking about some of the best players in the conference, I mean, he was averaged over 10 yards per attempt last year, 70% completion percentage. He is an elite player. I think he's deserving of being the best quarterback in this conference. I just have him at number two. And I'm sorry, Ole Miss fans. That's just how I, that's just how I feel in my heart, Aaron. Okay, that's how I feel in here. So I've got to be honest to myself with myself. It's probably not you being, you know, doubtful of his capabilities as much as you are faithful in who is clearly your number one. But... Probably. So hopefully yeah. Ole Miss won't take it to heart. Yeah, they they hopefully they won't take it personally. Um, all right. Well, I, I have I have JT Daniels at number one. And I was I don't want to say like ahead of the curve is not the right word. I just always believed last offseason at this time last year that JT Daniels would be the guy in Georgia. Whether that took one game, two games, or six weeks, like it did last week last season. I always believe that even if Georgia wanted to evolve their offense, the guy who was the best thrower of the football, which is sort of the job description for the quarterback, I always believe JT Daniels was just head and shoulders above everybody else on that roster, especially once Jamie Newman decided to opt out. And I just still believe that he is the best pure passer in the conference right now today. And that's sort of all there is. The Georgia offense averaged more than a touchdown per game more with JT Daniels than without him. He was worth more than a full touchdown per game. They won all four games that he started, had to come back in the bowl game. Obviously the schedule wasn't crazy, but I just think he's the best quarterback in the league right now. And if he was playing for Ole Miss, I think his numbers would be as good as Matt Corral's. I don't disagree with that. I also believe that the versatility and the options that he'll have on offense could be not only his arm, but you know, the, they have more options and the receiver at the receiving core. So maybe that takes Georgia to the next level. Maybe that's what we we're looking for that can kind of help push them over the edge. I mean, it's hard to imagine being pushed over the edge because the next tier is Alabama, which yeah. is a very, very, you know, that's a steep order, a tall order, I guess, but you know, you can't take the spring game into account that much, but he, it doesn't mean a lot, but he had good numbers. He threw to four different receivers. It's it's promising to kind of fill in that gap we were waiting to see from Georgia, um, getting the ball going through the air. So, yep, there were three guys last year that th- averaged more than ten yards per attempt in the SEC: Mac Jones, Matt Corral, and JT Daniels. Not a bad group to be. Amongst. Not not Kyle Trask, not Kellen Mond, not any of those other guys. JT Daniels, Matt Corral, and Mac Jones. Those are the only three that were over ten yards per attempt. Ten touchdowns, two interceptions, sixty-seven percent completion percentage. I just did it all in four games. I don't know. I just like the guy. I think he's the best quarterback in the league right now. Just may- just my opinion, man. You being his hype man may finally pay off. <laughs> if you get to talk to him or interview him this year at all, I mean, he should be. 
he should be grateful because nope. you have been building him up for way longer than everybody else. No pants party. That's for sure. Uh, Dugan, number one. Fun, Matt Corral. That came down to just me trying to take, unlike Alabama, take the quarterback out of the situation. Not that Ole Miss isn't running an impressive offense. Not that Lane Kiffin can't put amazing things together, but you know, they just don't have that what seems to be the closest thing to an infallible system that you see in football, like Alabama does. Uh, there is some fallibility there, but for some of the same reasons I've mentioned that about the other guys in my top five, um, it's versatility for him too. He's effective on the ground. He's an effective runner. He has enough speed to, to, you know, make him effective and he's good in the air. He just has numbers. He just has reps of, of doing that and has shown his ability to do it against, you know, the best defenses in the country. Overall, I'm really excited to watch. I think it's going to be an exciting offense. And yeah, it kind of yeah. came down to the fun factor amongst many <laughs> other things, but I think it'll be, he'll get the Black Bear Land Sharks all fired up. The, the Admiral Akbar, Black Bear Land Shark, Ole Miss Rebels. <laughs> um, no, I, it, it's going to be fun to watch that offense. There's no, no question about it. And frankly, looking at your list and my list, I just don't know who else would even qualify. Like, I really like Ken Seals. I think he's going to be a really nice player in the SEC. You cannot put him in the top five or six or seven or eight. There are so many, like Will Rogers, there are so many quarterback battles that I think eventually someone will work themselves into the themselves, themselves into the top five. I don't know if that person's from Texas A&M, whether that's Haynes King, whether that's a Tennessee youngster, whether that's the quarterback battle at, at, at Kentucky, uh, you know, LSU, is it Miles Brennan? I think there's so many unknowns at this position that there's just like, I probably have Bo Nix at six. Like you have him at five after that, Luke Doty. That's not, that doesn't get it going for me. Like I, I just don't, there's not a lot of proven options right now in this league. I'm trying to think of how, how to describe this, but I agree. When you talk about these other guys, it's hard not to think about the things that could get inevitably get in the way of their performance. Like when you talk about Ken Seals, there's a lot of factors that, you know, in maybe in another system, Ken Seals would be able to be extremely effective. But if there's a lot of unknowns, you know, surrounding the quarterback or on that side of the ball, it's it's hard to eliminate all those other things and and really know what they would look like in an ideal situation because maybe they're not in one or their team's not at that point. So I agree. Once you get past those six or seven, it kind of just what, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, so Athlon has LSU as the fifth best quarterback room in the SEC. That's a collection of those parts, though, being that good because no one is is proven. There's some really nice recruits there. Texas A&M, the same thing at number eight. They don't have a guy like Ken Seals or even K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas who's like the guy, but their collection of talent sort of elevates A&M. Tennessee, I think, to some degree is that way, too, because they have like 1,100 quarterbacks to choose from. And so the, having a lot of options is a good thing especially if you're a new head coach. I just don't see one guy in any of those schools yet that has separated themselves. It doesn't mean that somebody won't do it. It's, it's certainly possible. Miles Brennan might be the best one. Hendon Hooker might be the best one. Haynes King might be the best one. We just don't know yet. We haven't seen any of them, and we don't trust them like we trust Alabama, right? So that's, that's the difference. Right. Um, there was one x's and o's thing that came up earlier that i wanted to go back to but you were on a roll florida we were talking about florida explain and i know i know where you're going with this but i think this is a question that you know maybe some people would ask can you explain why having a quarterback that can 
can get yardage on the ground opens up so much more, so many more options for a coach like Dan Mullen in terms of how the defense has to play against them. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's kind of master of the obvious stuff that if you've got a quarterback who can threaten your linebackers and your safeties and your defensive ends with the ability to truly run, I'm not talking about just sort of like, Oh, I can pick up four or five yards, but like a four, four guy. Right. Like a, like Emory Jones is fast. <laughs> like he's a dude. Right. And if you look at Dan Mullen's offenses over the years at every stop, he coached Alex Smith at Utah. He coached Tim Tebow at Florida. He developed Dak Prescott at, at Mississippi state. What do all three of those guys have in, in common? They are, they like to run the football. And so I think there are certain, I don't think it's a ton of his playbook, but I would say 15 to 20% of his playbook where there's about a fifth of his playbook that you just can't use with a guy who can't run. And so if it's a, if it's an RPO, if it's a zone read, if it's a speed option um, you know, there's so many different, different plays that you can run with a really truly mobile quarterback that I think Dan Mullen likes to use, but you, you know, and the other thing that those guys had in common, especially Tebow and Prescott is that they are big, thick dudes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and Emory Jones is not necessarily that, that kind of guy. Like they ran Tebow, between the tackles, <laughs> like as a, yeah. like as a fullback. So yeah, it, it's not that it opens it up sig like in a huge way. It's, I, I would say if you got Dan Mullen on some truth serum, he'd probably say, you know, 15 to 20%. He's got more plays he can call now because of a quarterback that can run 15% seems about right. It's not a ton, but it's meaningful. But I think what should be attention grabbing about that is when you look and see what he was able to do with Kyle Trask, who is that is not his thing. And right. then you think about the fact that there's 15 to 20 percent more in his arsenal that he wasn't able to do with, you know, someone who was a Heisman contender that, you know, helped lead them to a very successful season. I think that's more attention grabbing than it normally would be just because you have something to add on to You're like, oh, it's that plus yeah. potentially this much more. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, th think um, think Matt Corral versus JT Daniels. Like Matt Corral has a just enough mobility to give the play calling a little bit more versatility, whereas JT Daniels, who's not a bad athlete, is 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 far more of a true pocket passer. So um, that does change the way you call plays. The difference being it, accuracy. If you are just that accurate, the way Kyle Trask was from the pocket, and the way I believe JT Daniels is, you can make up for all of that because then you're opening up another fifteen percent of the playbook that maybe another guy can't because he's not as accurate. Yeah. You so can throw it, into coverage and all right. That. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a, there's definitely a lot of give and take. Like that's what Emory Jones has to prove. Like sure. Dan Mullen can use more of his playbook, but is he actually is, are there plenty of things that Kyle Trask could do that Emory Jones can't? And that's, you know, maybe it's the same amount of the playbook. It's just a different portion, right? Different chapters of the playbook. Yeah. I guess. That's a good point. All right. Well, let's end on a good point then. How about that? What a any, simulating conversation. Any other names you'd like to mention? It looks like um, you got a, you got a six way competition at Tennessee, three or four guys at LSU, three dudes at Kentucky. Will Levis is now entering that mix. A um, couple guys at A&M. I don't know. Like any, any, no, I, don't know. I mean, how, not how much really Luke Doty do you want in your life? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch Ken Seals, but that's, that's more of my, right. you know, Grad, graduating from Vanderbilt and hoping that that goes well. And, you know, I guess we can only go up, but I think that's just going to, all the rest of it's just going to have to play out for me. I mean, LSU, I, I'd have, again, like I've said for weeks, I have no idea what to think about that. That's why, you yep. know, they didn't graze yep. the, the list. It's just too many unknowns on the rest of them. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, with that, let's take a little pause. There's your top five quarterbacks, according to Aaron, according to me. 
in the SEC in 2021. We will revisit our list. How about that in December and see how wrong we were. We'll just have fun with it. Uh, and, and we'll just hold ourselves accountable because that's what we do here on the show. Uh, all right. When we come back, you will hear from Mike Rooney of ESPN and D1 Baseball talking a little bit about this tournament coming up, all things SEC, nine teams in the tournament. So we got to talk a little ping here on the show because we both love college baseball. And then we'll tell some stories when we come back after that. So when we return, Mike Rooney of D1 Baseball and ESPN. I hope you're ready, Aaron, because Fringe Element is brought to you by Jasper's the looking glass into your culinary soul. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank that was, you. That was a good one. I like that one. Rolled right off. I'd like to know what's inside my culinary soul. Probably some clogged arteries. <laughs> Mine's nachos for sure. Just nacho cheese everywhere. Yeah. Well, not the squirt kind that starts at room temperature. I'm not into stadium nacho cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, of course, would never be served at Jasper's because Jasper's is the next evolution no. of the sports bar. Inside of mine is just probably surf and turf. Like, if you get into my soul, Ooh, it's, yeah. just, it's just like lobster, scallops, which, which of course, are now on the menu. Scallops are on the menu at Jasper's. Uh, probably steak and eggs like you always order. So it's probably just like filet, red meat, and some awesome, like, surf from the seafood world. That, that's, what I, that's what's inside my culinary soul. What else is inside mine? This is the theme of the ad now is our culinary souls. As you were thinking about what is inside What's yours, in- which probably got a little tequila. Yeah. Uh, some nacho cheese mm-hmm. and maybe some Memphis style barbecue. Yeah. I was about to say barbecue. You read my mind. I, maybe I do know your soul after all. Maybe you do have a soul after all. I know you always tell me I don't even have one. So this is a step in the right direction. Knowing what's in it means it does indeed. The limit does exist. <laughs> limit, Mathematics, limit. Mathematical theory reference. You're welcome. Wow. I don't even Jaspers, the formula to connection. <laughs> that started out real well and then took a nosedive. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have expounded upon that. Uh, go to Jasper's. The parking lot is free. The menu is evolving and exceptional. Uh, there's a great happy hour, 4 to 6 p.m. Great place to go grab lunch. I had a Creole roll I mentioned. I, uh, that's a delicious menu item. Bunch of new menu items on there as well. Um, they've got the cold fashion, which is sort of like a classy bushwhacker. So go go drink, go check that out. It's very tasty. It's quite delicious on a hot afternoon. Um, they got the grab and go market, great private dining room. If you want to do a watch party for soccer or for college baseball. So go check it out, man. Go to Jasper's. It's a great place to go watch. Well, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm going to have to invite the parents back for father's day and take my dad. Cause I think he's going to get a uh, real butt hurt. if I took my mom and the whole family to Jasper's for mother's day, and then we don't celebrate in a similar fashion for father's day. So maybe okay. we could all meet there. I don't know, but Jasper's Dennis. driving a wedge into your family. Yeah, I yeah it could or Jasper's with the with the potential to drive a wedge into your family unless unless appropriately used. Don't, oh, that's that tremendous. sounds weird out of comment out of context. <laughs> just just go to Jasper's. It, you'll have a great time. It's awesome. Go we to Jasper's. Should stop. Yeah. The great Mike Rooney. How are you, sir? Good to see your face. What's up, BG? Good. Yeah, good to have my face seen. 
Uh, well, it's this. It's, How are it's you? Your, I, I'm great, man. And it's your time of year. It's I love this time of year. People ask me all the time, you know, SEC championship game in football or basketball. And I just g- give me Omaha. Give me the give me the baseball, baby, all day long. Give me the ping. Um, and obviously we get started coming up this weekend in regional action. And I wanted to, I wanted to sort of do some 10,000 foot view for, for our audience here, which is mm-hmm. Arkansas is number one. You've got number three, Tennessee, number four, Vanderbilt, number seven, Mississippi state, six regional hosts, nine teams from the sec. It's not the 11 or the 10 that maybe we talked about earlier in the year. Where does this collection of sec teams rank relative to previous seasons we've seen come out of this conference? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the volume thing gets to be a little bit tricky, but the SEC has volume in different ways, right? I mean, how about seven hosts? And the next biggest league is three hosts. So they dominated the hosts. How about four top eight national seeds? So you've got four SEC teams that are going to have to get beat at home to keep them from Omaha. So I do. And, and, you know, there was some controversy like, hey, Alabama, you could argue is the last team in the field. And Georgia just misses, you know, that would have been a 10th team LSU, you know, 13 and 18 in the league, a little controversial, but they did have some other things that I thought served them well, as far as the committee goes. So, you know, I think the SEC, it's pretty vintage for them. A lot of high end teams, several teams that could win the whole thing. And then just a lot of teams in the tournament period. Who's on the list? Cause obviously getting to Omaha is special. It means something, especially for a team like Tennessee, it's only had one, mm-hmm. you know, appearance in the tournament since 05, a year they actually went to the World Series. But how, how many of these teams from the SEC can get to Omaha and how, how many of them can win it once they get there? Yeah, I, I think, BG, the SEC teams have proven to us if they can get there, they can win the whole thing. You know, I will say this, though. Arkansas, I will be just flat surprised if they're not in Omaha. Like, that would just knock me over if Arkansas does not make their way to Omaha. That said, they're regional, not easy. Uh, the four seed is very manageable, but Northeastern and Nebraska, really good teams. Um, so, you know, but, but Arkansas is going to Omaha. I mean, to me, that's bet the farm on it. You know, Mississippi state's got the pitching to win it all, but boy, if they had some dark moments the last three weeks, you know, like that's a little shaky, you know, Tennessee's got the position player group to win it all, but do they have the experience, you know, do they have enough pitching um, you know, Ole Miss is sneaky. I don't, Ole Miss is not winning the whole thing, but there's a path for Ole Miss to get to Omaha. And then Vandy, I, you know, like, hey, if, if Lighter and Rocker get four starts in the postseason, maybe five starts in the postseason, I mean, I don't know. Like, they could win all those starts. So it's, you know, the league is fascinating as always. Yeah, Ole Miss is one of those teams that you look up and you're like, I forgot they've gone to Omaha that many times. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, they've been there a lot. And Obviously, the, the the coaching and the investment and the fans are a big part of it, but I, I just think the style of play, and, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong here because I know where you're from and, and you know where I'm from, and we spend a lot of time mm-hmm. together in Omaha, but there, there does seem to be a different style of ball in the Southeast than West Coast or mm-hmm. you know, even from the North, the north uh, as far as the Big Ten goes. I know they're investing, but is it just pure talent? Is it the coaching? Is it the style of play? What What is it about the you know, the other areas that haven't caught up yet. Yeah, I would say the West Coast style does play well in the postseason. They're just not nearly as talented as everybody else. You know, they're they're hard. They're like almost like wishbone in football, right? They're hard to prepare for. They control the game. You feel like you're playing uphill, uh, but they're just, you know, think about it. the SEC West right now 
has three freshman shortstops, three true freshman shortstops. Think about how good you have to be to be a starting shortstop in the SEC West as a true freshman. Guess what? All three of them are from California. So, like, that's a problem for the West Coast, right? Like, the SEC is just picking your, you know, they're just, they're, pick, they're cherry picking your best players. But that said, the West Coast is always in play. They just don't have a lot of teams in the tournament. The SEC, it's just, they're invested in coaches, the fan bases. Th- think about it, BG, those four SEC teams that are top eight seeds, you know, Vandy, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. I mean, am I supposed to go to Mississippi State and beat them twice in a Super Regional? It's a, it's a haunted house. Like, how are you supposed to beat Mississippi State twice in that joint? And, you know, and I mean, that is the highest compliment ever. So, you know, Mississippi, the, the SEC's got everything. Talent, investment, fan base, home field advantage. That's what makes them so good. Well, and Tennessee Stadium is kind of a dump, but there's 6,000 people going completely bonkers. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's just as tough. Speaking of investment, that's what they need to do with Tony Vitello in Tennessee. Um, certainly, he's been the right guy. He seems to be the right guy for the job long term. Moving forward, they need to spend some money on him. Did they get a, a bit of a, I don't want to say, I don't want to say screwed by the, by the committee. Cause that's not what happens, but the highest scoring team in, in America is the four seed. Yeah. You know, Duke's one of the hottest teams in the ACC. Did they get, you know, Hey, welcome back to, welcome back to the national seed, Tennessee. Here you go. Here's a, a really tough regional. Yeah. I would say as the three seed, you know, like that's not awesome, right? Like if they're the three national seed, you, you nailed it. Like Wright state is your four seed is that's not good. And by the way, Wright state won a series in Knoxville in 2020. So not only are they good, but they're going to be comfortable. Now the crowd will be different this time, right? Like this is a whole different animal, but um, you're right. I, I think Tennessee's got their work cut out for them, but I think Tennessee also is really good. Uh, the advantage Tennessee has, BG, is normally I'm very skeptical of first-time hosts in the NCAA tournament. Here's the thing. Tennessee's kids had Arkansas come to Knoxville. They had Vandy come to Knoxville this year. So I think a, a, a crazy atmosphere will not spook them. Um, but you're, you're right. They, 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 they got – that's going to be – the team that gets to Omaha from that pod is going to really earn it. Vanderbilt's a team you've already mentioned, lighter and rocker. There's so much more than just those two, but that's what makes the engine go with them. Um, what do you make of lighter's second half of his season and what type of rotation do you think we see out of Vanderbilt? Because if they get the guys we've seen in the past, I don't know how you keep them from, from Omaha. Yeah. I think the biggest, I think the issue, I think lighter took the week off and then came back and was awesome. I think he's going to be fine. Like this kid's got great aptitude. He's going to just keep making tweaks and improve. You you know, he's super self-aware. They're well coached. I think rocker and lighter, you're good to go. Hey, Sunday starter, still a big mystery, right? Like still it's a, you know, it's a revolving door. Hey, the biggest thing, the biggest data point for me with Vandy is Carter Young, their shortstop. He got hurt at the very end, did not play in the SEC tournament. If he doesn't play, that's a, that's a, that's a huge concern for me. Um, But still rocker and lighter are two cards like no one else has. And I I think they're going to be, they're going to be in good shape. You know, the thing is, I think they're fine for the regional BG East Carolina is their super regional matchup. Eventually East Carolina is going to Omaha, right? Like that's going to happen. I just, is it this year? I don't know. That's a really fascinating one for me. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough draw. If you're, if you're Greenville going, Oh, great. We could go to Nashville. Tremendous. Um, all right. Last, last one here. We'll let you go. We do appreciate it. Of course. Um, uh, give me your eight teams and in Omaha and give me the two that are playing for the national championship at the end of all of it. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm going to say Arkansas is playing for it all. 
So Arkansas from that pod, give me, I'll just stick with Stanford from that pod. Give me Old Miss. Give me East Carolina. I'll pick the upset over right. Vandy. I don't know why. <laughs> Vandy, you're welcome because my picks never come in. Give me Texas. Give me Yukon. Wow. I, can't, I, can't, I just I can't pick chalk. It's no fun. Give where's, me where's Justin Dunn when you need him. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Give me Old Dominion and give me Tennessee. I'll stick with the Vols. Oh, see, now you had to go and you, you, you've guaranteed Vanderbilt's victory and you suck the <laughs> life out of Big Orange Nation. I do hypocrite. Yeah, seriously. Contradiction. Living contradiction here. Would you rather eat a 10 ounce, 12 ounce, 16 ounce filet at 10 a.m. or 1030 a.m.? Yeah, uh, the, yes. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're offering me steak in Omaha, BG, my answer is yes. You pick the time. I don't care. For, for those that don't know, uh, Runes and I, one time, I'm not even kidding. I think it was 10 a.m. Was our reservation for 10 a.m. at the Yeah, Dover? it was early. It was early. Hey, we're hardworking dudes when we're in Omaha, BG. You got to eat when you can. No, nothing like clogging the arteries before lunchtime. It's, it's, <laughs> it's tremendous. Um, in your words, in your experience, in all of your years doing this, what makes going to Omaha special? Yeah, the people, the people of Omaha, the people of Nebraska. It's the the way I've explained Omaha to people, BG, and you you've you've witnessed it. Is it's like it's college football tailgating. It's the outfield at Wrigley Field. You know, it's it's kids that aren't professionals yet. You know, it's 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 a state fair. You know, it's kids and families everywhere. It's a good guys trip. It's a great family outing. It's awesome. It's Americana. You know, it just it's you just feel like you're it. You know, Notre Dame is tailgating is what I was raised on. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good explanation there. Runes always a pleasure, man. Of course, you can catch them all over D1 baseball and ESPN television for the next month and a half or so. So uh, always a pleasure talking with you, man. We do appreciate it and enjoy the next three or four weeks. All right, my man? Will do. Thanks, PJ. See you, man. That was Mike Rooney, Runes, as uh, he's affectionately known in the college baseball world, of course. I, I, I couldn't, Dugan, I just couldn't, I couldn't do an SEC show without talking about the, without the baseball tournament being on the show, at least like, at least just for a few minutes, because it is just so near and dear to our hearts on this show that we cannot, we cannot not talk about it. We have to talk about it. I love it so much. I really do. I'm so excited that it's regionals time and that the college world series is going to be more normal because it made me very sad. All the, all the kids not getting to play sports, all the student athletes that didn't get their senior season or the end of what was, could have been an awesome season made me very sad for them, but I'm glad this is going to be more like normal. And I will actually be at regionals all weekend. I'm running camera for the video board and the broadcast. So cool. Cool. That's very cool. I think Vandy's on the Hawk National Regionals on SEC Network, right? Something like that. So yeah, cool stuff, man. That's good, Dugans. Uh, by the way, um, that reminds me, I will have an announcement on the show at some point. About what? About football in the fall but I cannot announce it yet. So I'm does just involve, saying, does it involve me? Um, maybe. Okay. I'm not going to press you because it, you're trying to be a man of your word. I can tell. Yes. The, the ink okay. is not yet dry. Let's just say that. Okay. Let's just say that. But so you got me excited about something that I'm not involved in. Yeah. Maybe I did. Does that feel fucked up to you? A little bit. 
Okay. Sorry for saying the F word, but I need you to understand that that was <laughs> Understood. What I, what I said was, though, is there may be a special announcement on the show coming soon at some point. That's all. That's all I got to say. I can't say anything more. Now, well, I wouldn't know because I'm not involved, so. I want you involved, but I can't tell you yet. Okay. Okay. Ugh. All right. So, how many times have you been to Omaha? And how many steaks did you eat while you were there? I've only been to Omaha once, but I was there for... 26 straight days so <laughs> you do you average that out to a normal four-day college world series showing i've been to almost seven <laughs> um i ate a burger with uh, by the end no bun for one meal a day for all 26 days <laughs> is not good for the physique that place i guess we were running around the whole time thank god but it's a lot, a lot of red of meat. it's a lot of red meat yeah it's a lot of red meat there is there is a single this is really funny like there's a single like seafood restaurant that's really good which one are you talking about in the middle of downtown uh plank plank is the restaurant i've been to in omaha plank. that plank yes uh plank seafood provisions uh very good it's right there it's kind of close to the the stadium in that area uh but it's very yummy it's very good it's a really good seafood restaurant but like you can go you can eat like oysters and like fish and everyone always looks at me crazy when like in the middle of my week in Omaha, I want to go to this place because I'm like, I need to, to break up just beautiful steak after beautiful steak because my arteries are hurting. And everyone's like, I'm not sure I trust uh, oysters in Omaha, Nebraska. And, and it's a nice, it's a smart approach probably, but this place is proven. I've been, I've been multiple times. It's very good. Yeah. It's another well-kept, I don't know if it's a well-kept secret or not. I'm not going to lie, but the um, Tiki bar was the Vanderbilt staff's <laughs> go-to post-game spot. They have these like, drinks that you like light on fire. <clears throat> it's very dark. It's like kind of underground. It's actually really sketchy retrospectively, but we loved it. Tiki Bar Omaha. It's probably just <laughs> called the Tiki Bar. Let's see. The one on. that's right next to the stadium? Because there is one that's like, there's like a whole outdoor pavilion deal right next to the stadium. No, no, no. No, it's uh, La Colono Rum Club. It's... Oh, a rum club. Yeah, that sounds, it's, that sounds it's actually dangerous. pretty cool. But then one time we were so hungry because we got done so, so late because of rain delays and all this stuff. So it had probably been, you know, 15 hours since we ate and we ordered pizza to the Tiki Bar. <laughs> it was very, very classy. Um, all right. Of the events you've been to as a sports fan, I, I rank the Indianapolis 500 at number one. I've been, to the, mm. I've been to the Super Bowl. I've been to the NBA Finals. I've been to a Stanley Cup final game. I've been to Final Four. I've, I ranked the Indianapolis 500 as my favorite event that I've ever been to as a sport as a sports fan. I have never been to Omaha as a fan and gotten to do like just drink beer with the guys or take my kids and like go do the all American thing because it's just such. And you heard Mike Rooney explain it as like it's just Americana, like personified in a sports event, and you can kind of do whatever you want on the trip. Like you can go as a family, you can go with your buddies, you can go with your significant other. You can kind of do do it all. I, I think the College World Series is number two on my list, but I've only gone in a work capacity. So and bad. I watched one one time I got to go on the last game because I didn't have to do any work because I was about to fly out the next morning. I just sat in the outfield with my buddy who was there working with me, and we just drank beer and watched a baseball game. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to do this as a fan. That's so nice. I have not gotten to do that either. It's still my favorite 
event spectator or working that I've ever been to sporting event. But we, what if we go and should we go this summer? Figure out a way to make it a work excuse to go. Let's ask Jaspers if they want our continued, <laughs> our continued expertise marketing you know, genius, just, let's call just, it what it is. Genius. I mean, you're right. Fair point. Through, what, through Omaha through the looking glass sponsored by Jaspers. <laughs> like it's, you, it's, me and Deb Paquette. It's fine. We take Deb with us so she can like just collect ingredients around and home cook us stuff. Wow. Oh, that'd be, we'd be living my the life. God, she's too nice to do this, but I'd love to film her like critiquing the food in real time. You should probably let me film. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Like we, we as a show, film Deb Paquette, who is the chef who did the menu at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's, because Fringe Element is brought to you by... Jasper's, the Omaha of Middle Tennessee. <laughs> that was good, too. I like that. Three good Thank ones you. today on the show. Three for three, Dukes. One uh, really bad one and two okay ones. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. I, I would, I would, it, it would be fascinating to watch, like, sh- chefs talk shop in, like, different cities around the sec but in but in particular omaha because it's just so red meat driven it is what just we, about steaks you're making me think about stuff that i'm my brain's going in weird directions now because i'm thinking about omaha but what if we took deb and then see how awesome and gourmet she can make a different hot dog each day i think that would be very popular because the jasper's dog is amazing i got a lot of, i got a lot of ideas by wheels or my okay, wheels are okay. spinning. The Jasper's dog is, by the way, not on a bun. It's like served on a hot a hamburger bun. It's like cut into quarters, and it is so delicious you can't eat it like a normal hot dog. So go to the go to Jasper's and order a Jasper's dog. It's it's not some like run of the mill hot dog, you know. I'm actually starving. I might go get one. Can we wrap this up? Yep, we're done. <laughs> Special thanks to Mike Rooney. Those are our top five quarterbacks. Some random Omaha conversation at the end there. We do appreciate it. Of course, go to Jasper's, our great sponsor, for making this show possible. Uh, Go check it out. Of course, the free parking, great menu, great place to watch the game, great happy hour, all that good stuff. So go check out the new menu and uh, tell us what you think. Aaron, where can people find you? On the interweb net at the Aaron Dugan. That would be on Twitter. And I'm getting weird and loopy. I'm starving. And then Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitter. at Braden Gall. You can follow 440 Sports, the company, at 440, 440 Sports Media. on Twitter and Facebook. Or, uh, you can follow the follow company on Instagram, Instagram at, at 440, 440 Media. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, be good next, I'll be good to go next time. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Okay, yay, I'm hungry. <laughs>